everybody. It is Ray Brewer, the youth minister here at Shelby Christian. And I am so excited to tell you that it is student takeover week, which means that I finally get to give you all of the announcements. I am stoked. I can't wait to tell you all of them. Oh no, you don't. It's student takeover week for a reason. Hey Shelby Christian, thanks for joining us for worship today. My name is Micah Krebs, and here's what's happening on the hill. If you're a first time guest or new to Shelby Christian, we want you to know about our I'm New Wall. We have a team of friendly faces ready to meet you in our lobby, and we want to get to know you and give you a gift for attending. Now, here is my boy with the next section of announcements, Chase Sensible. Thanks, Micah, and welcome back to the Hill family. My name's Chase, and this week is Senior Takeover Week. That means our youth pastor, Ray Brewer, will bring us the messages Thursday night and Sunday morning. Yo, dude, chill out. Oh, my bad. And now I'm going to bring on my boy, Nathan Mertz. Thanks, Chase. Hi, I'm Nathan. Our student and SEC kids, summer schedules are both out now. So get ready. Nathan, be louder. Okay. Our student and SEC kids, summer schedules are both out Thank you, JC. But we cannot forget about Eddie and his huge decision last week to get baptized. It is student takeover week, so will you stand to your feet as we worship the Lord together? Oh, we 
like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like
and give him praise in this place because he's a good father. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Some of you are probably thinking, Pastor Bobby looks a little different this week. Um, no, I'm not Pastor Bobby. My name is Micah Krebs, and as you saw in the video, it is student takeover this week. So I'm going to be leading our little meditation for our communion this week. For those of you who are new here or don't know exactly where the communion is, we've got a few in the back, three back here on these walls, two on the sides, and two up here in the front. So as we start to move towards the sermon and we start talking about Samuel and all these other massive, huge biblical figures, it's really important that for us to remember that even though they did all these amazing things for God and for the church and for the gospel, they still fell short, just like we do every day. I think one of the best examples for this is Noah. Noah in biblical history probably has one of the most faith that any other major characters have in the Bible. In a time where everybody was telling him something different, he still had enough faith to follow God. But even after the storms, he still fell short. With drunkenness from wine. That brings me to uh, 1 Peter 2.24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Majorly, what that verse is getting at is even though we can do as much as we want, we still won't earn our spot in heaven. We still fall short, just like Noah did. But through the cross, he makes us holy. He makes us worthy of that spot. And God loved us so much that even though he knew that we would never be able to live up to that spot in heaven, he sent his son to die for our sins so that we could live with him in eternity. As we go into communion, just help us remember the love that he gave for us and the son that he sent down so that we could live with him in eternity. So please pray with me as we're about to start communion. Dear Lord, Thank you for this day you've given us and allowing us to come to church, learn more about you, and learn more about your gospel. Lord, thank you so much for the son you sent down for us and for the love that you've shown to us, knowing that we would never be able to be perfect enough to enter heaven. But you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, help us remember that, not only today while we take this bread and this juice, but every day. Amen.
surrounding me Let it break At your name still Call the sea to still The rage in me to still
this morning. He makes the darkness tremble. And God, you saved us. You delivered us. And now we're not in that darkness anymore. But you've called us into your marvelous light. Into your marvelous light. One day, we were saved. We were delivered. Amen. Buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing. It was my turn yeah. Till I met you But I tell you when you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I
marvelous light, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us here, Lord, bringing us life, filling our lungs with your air, Lord, with your breath. So may the word come forth today. May Ray be blessed, Lord. May he have the anointing of your spirit upon him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Good morning, Shelby Christian. Hey, everybody, good morning. I was going to make a joke about not looking like Dave, and then Micah came up and did that. So I can't make that joke anymore, but that's okay. Um, If you are graduating, if you know someone graduating, if you are the parent of a graduate, if you are the sibling of a graduate, if you know somebody who went back to college or back to high school, if your spouse is doing any one of those things, congratulations. This is an amazing and amazing and amazing opportunity that we have in this country to go to school, to be involved in this education, and we are just so proud of you for sticking it through. Because like, Lord knows this stuff is hard. Man, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't like it, personally. I was never a big school guy. Matter of fact, the fact that graduation is coming so soon reminds me of the fact that I graduated in 2019, which if you do the math, I'm young and that's it. But I was like, I was never good at school. I just, I wasn't, I didn't get it. I loved that I got to spend time with my friends. I adored that part. That part was super cool. I got to go see my buddies, and, but that, that was it. That was the only thing that I was good at when it came to school. Test taking, I was the kid when I, I did so bad that the teacher needed to put the curve on the grade. So I guess that was like the positive side of having me in your class is because your grade always got lifted up a little bit because I needed the help. And I always had that time frame where I had the entire day to take this test, which was perfect because I never went to another class that day. I would just stay in that one room and take that test the entire time. It was perfect. But even in those tests, I did terrible. I just wasn't good at it. My brain did not have what it took to like respond correctly to half of it, right? And in homework, if I did my homework half the time, sometimes it would get lost from point A which is the kitchen table, point B, which is my backpack, and point C, which is the teacher. Somewhere between those points, that little piece of paper with my assignment on it just disappeared. I don't know where it went. I don't know how it got there, but it just wasn't there anymore, right? But I feel like in every family, there is at least one sibling or one person in the family who is just wicked good at school. Like they just get it. Like, they're just good at school. And if you're like me, I'm baby number six. So that person in your family gets looked at pretty highly when it comes to school, right? Because they just understand it. They get it. And in my family, we have a lot. We have a few people who are wicked smart. But the person that I'm talking about today is my brother, Anthony. My brother, Anthony, he is, that's him. That's the guy. He is honestly one of my heroes. I love that man so much. He is everything I want to be one day. He is a great, godly man who loves his wife and children with all of the authority that God has given him. But if any of you tell him that, I will deny it until the day I die. That man is the bane of my existence. I don't know how many times I have been on the receiving end of a noogie. He would just come up behind me, called it a python, I think, and he would just grab me with both arms and just squeeze. And when I said stop, He didn't stop. But my mom, first of all, had to get our names right because she never did. But she would have to, she would have to be the one to tell him to stop. 
And the, oh my goodness, he thinks he's taller than me, which you can tell that he's not. I don't know if you see this picture, but he's not taller than me. And I don't get why he thinks he is, but the worst thing that he ever did, growing up, he would just walk into the house, right? He would just barge in, boom, straight in. And he would go straight for my snack cupboard. And he would go into it, he'd open it up, he'd grab the Pop-Tarts, he would open the Pop-Tarts, he'd take one of them out, take the whole package out, he'd take one Pop-Tart out of the package, put the package back in the box, put the box back in the cupboard. So Ray wakes up the next morning, 14-year-old Ray, ready to take on the day, and I wake up and my day is ruined because I have one Pop-Tart in my box. (sighs) I thought I was over it, church, and I'm sorry that I'm not. But like I said, I compared myself a lot to Anthony when I was growing up. Because like he was just good. He understood it. And I don't even know if he knows the influence that he had on my life, honestly. If he liked the class, he was a big English guy. Matter of fact, he was pursued all throughout high school by different organizations and different colleges. And then when he got to college, he was top of his class in English. He just got it, right? And so whenever, whenever he liked something, that was the thing I pursued. Whenever he didn't like a class, I didn't really like that class that much. If he liked the sport, I loved that sport. My favorite number is 15. It's my favorite number of all time. And it's because it was his basketball jersey number. I love that number. Because Anthony showed hustle. He showed respect to different aspects of life. And now that I'm here, now that I've grown up, now that I'm in my career, he is also a minister down in Florida. And there are often times where I look at him in different aspects of my life and I go, man, would Anthony have made that same decision? Would, would Anthony have done that a little bit differently? What can I do to where Anthony would have, would have done the same thing? Is he proud of me? And if he's not, what can I do to make that so? And yet, if I were to go to Anthony and tell him all of this and say, Anthony, these are my feelings towards you. First of all, he's super annoying because he's cool and humble and whatever, but um, I would go to him and the first thing he would say is that he's cool and humble. He would remind me of that. But then he would look at me and he would say, Ray, my life is not the one that you should be modeling yours after. And it's super annoying, because he's right. I can stand here and tell you all about a thousand different stories about how I have left, how I let Anthony affect my life. I have one for you right now, actually. In Florida, we have three things to make sure that you are a Floridian. One, you need to be able to float. Two, um, you're born with a pet alligator. Most people don't know that. But if you're from Florida, you just get one, just right out of the gate. And number three, there is some sort of citrus really close to your house, right? And so, in our backyard, I think it was like a grapefruit tree, you get rats. You get rats because you got trees that have fruit, right? And fruit rats are about yay big. They're huge. And so one day, me and my buddy were in the backyard, and I thought Anthony would think it was so funny. And so I found a dead one, and I picked it up, and I brought it to my mom. Imagine how that went. Imagine just being being your position as a mother, as someone who understands that when a 12-year-old brings in a rat half of his size, you're probably not going to be happy about it, right? And Anthony, Anthony got in trouble for it. I don't know how, but Anthony 
Anthony, Anthony was the one who got in trouble for the whole thing. But I did it because I thought Anthony would enjoy it. I thought Anthony would think it was funny. So I can tell you a million and a half stories about how I let him affect my life and I can count on my hand the amount of times I've done the same thing for Jesus Christ. It was all about perspective. Who I was looking at, what I was looking for, whose love I was searching. So today we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, last week we talked about um, the start of Samuel's life and how it was already this crazy sign of faith that was, that was leading towards where Samuel was going, right? But today we're going to talk a little bit more about him growing up. So if you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're going to be. And it says, Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went down. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, You shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, he said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And now there's two things I want to focus on in those passages, right? First things first. Every single time he was called, he got up. He was wrong. He was going the wrong direction, but he got up. And it was never this moment of Eli, dude, can we settle this tomorrow? Is this really something that needs to be done right now? Every time he heard that voice, he stood up and he went because his master needed him. There was no complaint. There was no moment of hesitation. He shot up and he went. And that's important, but we're going to get back to it here in a second. God never got angry with Samuel. It says that he said it the same all three times. It never said that he got angry with him. It never said he got annoyed. It never said he got frustrated. It was this moment where God knew. God knew that Samuel did not understand what was happening yet. It tells us. It says Samuel did not yet know the word of the Lord. It had not been taught to him yet. And so God is seeing the situation and he never gets frustrated with him because he knows that Samuel is trying. And there's a very easy, there's a very easy line with that with our graduates, right? You're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to hear God, but because of who we are as humans, things are going to get messy and you're going to go the wrong direction. You're going to get in your own way. But you're in this season of life where you don't know yet. You don't understand how God is going to use you yet. 
But even if you're not graduating, everybody is in a season of life, whether something is ending, whether something is beginning. You are now in this thing where you don't know what's happening yet. You don't know what is going to be the next step for you. And so when God calls you, there's going to be times where you don't know the answer. And so it's important to get up. Because Samuel didn't know which direction he was going. He was wrong, but he continued to go. And that's super important, but we're going to get back to that here in a minute. We're going to go now to uh, verse 12. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So what I love about those six verses is the faith of Eli in that situation. And and you kind of have to look for it a little bit in all honesty. Because Eli knew he was in trouble. Eli understood that what he did deserved to be punished. Matter of fact, we know it because he tells Samuel, he goes, if you don't tell me what my God wants me to know, I hope it happens to you. It is not your place, Samuel, to keep God's word away from me. But he knew. He understood that he was going to be in trouble. And here in verse 18 it goes, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So not only did he understand that he was in a place where he was going to be um, reprimanded, but he was in this position where he trusted God anyways. Now again, I have to bring it back to graduation. As parents, as siblings, as people who are involved with people who are graduating, you know how easy it could have been for Eli to look at him and say, you're a child. Sit down. You don't know anything yet. You don't have that power to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Instead, Eli looked at Samuel and understood how God was using him. He immediately, he immediately saw the power that God was putting into Samuel and bringing to him. And we have to be able to do that. Because like I said in that past, we... These people who are doing these next stages in life, we don't understand what's happening yet. And God is going to use them. God is going to use us. He is going to push us forward. And it is no one's right to push them down from what God is calling them to do. There's so many little nuggets in those six verses, but we have to move on because this is where we're going to stay for the bulk of today. In verse 19, it goes like this. That's right. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again to Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel and at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Samuel grew up. Samuel went through all of this time 
going through all of these different aspects, growing up with Eli, learning from Eli, going through all of these different hardships, his mother leaving him, all of these different situations, and he grew up. But never once did he lose sight of God in that process. Not once did Samuel decide that God was not the answer to what's going on. And it's interesting because it is so easy in today's age to get blinded by certain aspects. It is so easy to stop getting focused on God. We live in a world where the water is mucky. You can't necessarily see what's going on in front of you. It's hard to know where to turn, who to turn to, who we even are. And yet Samuel gives us a great example. Because everyone needs to grow up. You have to. Growing is difficult. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But it's a necessity in our life. And when we grow, we have this super, super, super easy way of just forgetting why we're growing. Because growing is a gift. You cannot get to that next stage in life if you have not grown. You cannot assess the next situation if you have not lived through the last. While I was going through um, this message and thinking about what I wanted to say and what I wanted to get the point across with, there was a song that came up. I think it played right before the service. But it is called, I Want to Go Back by David Dunn. And the lyrics go like this. When I was a kid, I was sure that I could run across the ocean. I was going to be an astronaut. When it was you and when it was me, I had everything I needed. My faith could even move the mountaintops. But then I grew up, and then I got older, and my life got tough, and we grew apart. Then the, the chorus goes like this. I want to go back to Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I want to go back to this little light. Going to let it shine. I want to go back. One of my favorite proofs of God is in music. I grew up in a, in a family that really loves music. And one of my favorite ways, one of my favorite arguments for God is the complexity and beauty that is music. Because as, children, as newborns, infants, babies, we understand that a major chord makes us feel happy. We understand that a minor chord makes us feel sad. We know when something's wrong when it comes to music. We understand that there is a certain way that certain things need to be played, and if it's not played in that way, we know that it's incorrect. Has anybody here ever studied music theory? It's super complicated, if you have. I have spent very little time in it, but from the little time that I have studied it, I understood one thing, and that was the more that I knew about music theory, the less that I understood it. I just didn't get it. It was just, if one thing works, it works this way. And then another thing works, and it works completely different. And I just didn't really understand that. It never really clicked in my brain, just because I didn't get it, right? But as I was going through this message, one thing clicked in my brain about music theory is that it works the same way with Christ. His love and his grace. 
Because the more that you think about it, the less it makes sense. I don't know about you guys, but I spit in God's face daily. Not intentionally, but I refuse his love often. I push away his grace. And yet he still pursues me. That doesn't make sense. There is not this idea in my brain where I can, where I can truly understand why God loves me so much. Why he did what he did. Why he does what he does. And yet just like music, it's something we understand more as babies. Because as children, we understand God. We, we, it's just this feeling. It's this thing inside of us, this longing. Where God is constantly pursuing us. We are constant be, constantly being loved. And as babies, we don't need a why. We don't need an answer as to why God has done these things. We just know that he has. And that he will and that he does. And it's crazy. Because now that we're older, things start to get complicated. We start to grip on to things. We need a why. We need answers. We have questions that God, why have you done this? What are you doing? Uh, this week, I, um, sorry, um, I found out some information about my father, um, and, um, the most that I can say right now is he is about to start a very difficult battle, and, um, it's just funny how God works. Because I knew about two weeks ago that I was going to stand on this stage and do this sermon. And God goes, if you are going to tell these people to trust me, if you are going to tell these people who I am and what my love looks like and not to question me, then you're going to have to do it yourself. And I don't know about y'all, but I serve a God of grace. But I serve a God of mercy. I serve a God who even though in this time I sit in my car and I scream at him because I don't understand why he's doing this. He looks at me and he goes, you're still my child. You are still my baby. And in those moments, that's all I can do to say, God, I want to go back. God, I know so much more now, but I understand so much less. Help me. <laughs> and he did. Because I am very stubborn. And I can't always talk to myself when it comes to these situations. So God said, get on the stage and tell those people about it. And maybe you'll hear it yourself. So as we close out, there are three things 
that I want to leave you guys with. Number one, when you're called, when you hear God calling you, rise. Get up. Go. You don't always know which direction you're going. It's not always clear what it's going to look like when you get there. But we don't serve a God of confusion. Get up and go. He will lead you. He will get you to where he needs you to be. Number two is when you're lost in those times where you have gone and you don't understand the place that you are, call out. Find him. He's constantly here. All we have to do is ask. And we forget that a lot of the times. But in those moments where you're sitting there and you don't understand where you're going, how you got there, or why God put you in this situation, ask him. Because he will answer. He loves us so much, he's not afraid of us. He is not afraid of your anger. He is not afraid of your doubt. He wants your questions. This is a father asking his children to come to him. And last but most importantly, when you grow up, whether you are young, whether you are old, when you are growing, in those times when it feels like you have to grow, where you don't have a choice but to grow, remember why. Remember why you're growing. Why is God having you grow? What is this gift that is on the other side of this where you can only receive it once you have hit a certain height? What is this gift that God has designed for you that you can only receive once your spirituality, once your maturity has hit a point where you deserve it? Because yes, Growth sucks sometimes. Growth looks like pain sometimes. Growth looks like death sometimes. Growth is terrifying. But only if you don't understand what it is. And I know one person who knows. I know one person who understands why. Remember that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to um, open up your word this morning, Lord. Just remind us who you are. Remind us of what you've done, what you will do, and what you have and will always be capable of. Lord, you are amazing. You are awe-inspiring. You are perfect in every way. When we get to these situations where we don't know who to turn to or why to turn, Lord, remind us that you're there. Give us the strength to persevere, Lord. And as for these graduates, God, bless them. Whether they're going on to continue their education, if they're starting their career, Lord, Put your hand upon them. Give them wisdom. Give them strength.
You are constantly with us, no matter what we're going through at that time. Remind us. And in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Well, everybody, thank you for this opportunity for allowing me to come up and speak with you guys. Um, And I've always wanted to say this, but go. Love God, love people, and watch him change the world. You guys are dismissed.